do that one time. It's okay. Yeah, that would be fine. Don't tell me what I can do or cannot do. Jeez, bro. You're always picking on me and shit. You're easy to pick on, Chasa. We're live, guys. Because yeah, I'm the only nice guy around here. <laughs> if you're a nice guy, man. What's the... <laughs> what's I know? He's a prick. <laughs> My share. He's a share. Yeah, that's it. Don't forget that story, bro. Which uh, That was enough for me. That's it. That, that, that wrapped it up. That's it, buddy. In a sense. All You're right. so selective. Yeah, you don't need to do much. Look, it says four viewers. It's just the four of us? The hell? I'm leaving. The fact that there's five of us in the room and there's four of you, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem right there. That's a problem. That means somebody's not. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm not one. That's somebody. So, screw it. Daniel, have you shared it? I, I think I just did. Yeah, he did. He he did. did. Daniel yeah. shared it. All righty. <coughs> gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Good morning. Yes. Happy Monday. And happy Easter, too. And exactly. Happy Easter to all of our Orthodox, Christian, Catholic family and friends out there. How many Easter eggs do you guys have left? And even right the now? Jews who celebrate Easter. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. Passover. Let's not forget the uh, Protestants. And the Protestants. <laughs> evangelicals. Yes. Mormons. <laughs> Everybody. See those uh, evangelicals. I got a lot of questions about those ones. Who? Evangelicals. 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 Whatever. When you, I have a lot when of you learn to pronounce it correctly, then you can have questions. See how much I need to ask? I don't even know what how to Until pronounce then. it. Until then. <laughs> it was an, it was an e interesting Easter Sunday, but we'll talk about that maybe if we have time. But... Uh, We're joined today by Mr. Is it Mr. or Doctor? Where no. are we at as far as things, education? <laughs> but we ha we've had we've had a doctor here on Friday, so I just want to make sure, Mr. Daniel Merabian. There you go, uh, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Uh, great to have you on with us. Uh, for those of you listening in um, live, and will be listening to us obviously uh, non-live or not later, not later on. Later on, uh, Daniel is a uh, student guidance counselor. Uh, he actually does, works for AGBU. He has his own company, which is EduPros USA. EduPros USA. The link is on um, the actual feed right now. Um, what he does is he helps guide you and your kids um, get into a proper, and well, I wouldn't even say proper, in, into a into a four-year university or a proper school where they can continue their education and higher better education. yeah higher education and actually better themselves yeah um daniel yes where did this all begin where i mean you you started this for uh how long ago you started how long ago did you start this and what was the goal behind it i mean what was the motivation right. behind it well i want to say hello to all of you hello 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 thank you for having me i want to wish everyone a happy easter uh from the audience who's um watching and listening. Thank you, sir. Um, so I started uh, as a counselor 15 years ago um, in early 2000. That's mm. when I started professionally, basically right after graduate school. So when I finished my um, master's degree, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to be a college counselor. And um, I graduated in 2002, which is a, a long time ago. Um, and... Um, I did one year at a community college. Mm -hmm. I was a um, counselor working at GCC, actually. Nice. 
Um, and then um, I didn't stay at the higher education level. I went back to school. I got my credential called the People Personal Services Credential, the PPS. Okay. So those that are uh, in the field of education are familiar with the lingo. But I got my credential in um, um, school counseling, K through 12 uh, authorization. And um, my first job was at Centennial High School in Compton, California. Compton, California. Compton. Started at the top, huh? So, <laughs> right away, right you know, at the top. <laughs> that's where I was as a 22-year-old. Oh, wow. Um, and that, those were my formative years. That's how I became a counselor, a good counselor. How long were you in, at Compton for? I was there for five years. Wow. I was there for five years. And... Uh, it was scary at first. And this like, is literally, in, this is 2000, um, 2004, 2005. Four, four. You got, yeah, it was four. Wow. So it was there from 2004 to 2009. Okay. And what, what was the, what was the actual graduate ratio there? Oh, well, I'm was, not even asking you about going to universities. I'm talking about actual graduation. Right. right. Graduation. 30%. Hmm. around 50%, maybe 60. Okay. It's not too it's bad. Not that you bad. know, it wasn't too bad. I mean, um, um, it was definitely an interesting experience working in that environment, but it helped me. It helped me develop and grow as a, you know, as a professional, as a counselor, Absolutely. uh, to become mentally tough. And, uh, actually that's when, you know, I became religious too, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you, um, uh, you know, when you're in, in, in an environment where students get shot, you know, and killed, you know, um, and you've grown up in Glendale, you know, it, it changes you. you wow. Know, um, it, it's, um, it's a definitely an interesting, it was an interesting experience. And you've, and in the six years or the six years five you years, were there, five years. five years that you were there, I mean, was this something that was common as far as, I mean, I know Compton back in the nineties was cutthroat. I mean, you couldn't even walk down the streets after like five, six o'clock. Once the sun goes down, it was kind of, uh, it was no, a completely was different em, different environment. Right. But in the 2000s, you'd think maybe it kind of <clears throat> calms down a little bit. I mean, how, how was it as far as, uh, I mean, did you see it that often with the high school kids? In terms of, see, stabbing, shootings, stabbing. all that stuff? Well, let me put it this way. The first semester I was there, I had a gun incident in the middle of the quad oh, at the God. school. So, um I wouldn't say confronted, but I saw a student, um, and then under a hoodie, there was a bulge uh, near the pants. So I just questioned him, and I said, you know, what, what is that? You know, what are you carrying? And he said, well, you just very nonchalantly, you know, pulled out a gun. And I said, well, you know, what's going to happen? And uh, fortunately, he handed it over. It he didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, he didn't. But he said, "Would you like my gun?" <laughs> Before he handed it over. But I stayed calm. Thank you know. Um, part of the training, uh, part of it is just I had a good rapport with the student, a good relationship, so he didn't panic. And uh, I just asked him to, you know, I wouldn't say anything if he were just to get on his bicycle and just ride away from the school. So and you didn't even ask for the gun. No, I didn't ask to have it. I said, uh, you know, you just need to put it back and you got to just leave the campus. Um, and he did. And I went and called the principal. <laughs> oh, my god! But, but he hadn't. 
taken it off the campus. He had trans, uh, put it into, you know, he had taken it to the gym at this, uh, where the cheerleaders and the basketball players were there. And then uh, we confiscated. So that was my first experience as a counselor, the first few months at work. And this is coming from a guy who graduated at Glendale High School, <laughs> surrounded by, I mean, it, it was in 96 you graduated, right? I graduated in, 96, in 1996. 1996. And my brother graduated in 96 from Glendale High. And the stories he tells me, it wasn't that bad. No, they had it easy. They, they, had, they had it okay. I mean, there was still kind of a... There as, were fights. There were fights. There was always a racial thing going on, Armenians, Hispanics, blacks, all that still stuff. But... I don't think there was anything as far as like guns or stabbings and stuff at the time in 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 '96. There were there were uh, one or two shootings near Hoover and Glendale. Very few. That there were a 96. few. Stu- that, was that was 99 to 2000. No, that was '96. There was who? Uh, some of the Glendale guys came over to the Hoover guys right and behind, they shot them right behind the tennis. Right courts. next to the tennis courts. Yeah. Then there was a stabbing at Bram Park. He's right, and then the next week. Yeah, there were, but not as much as bad, not as bad as. Now, mind you, this is ten years later. Ten years. Thinking, you know what, it might actually soften. Well, it's Compton. (laughs) Yeah, but '96 (laughs) Compton was worse than 2006. Yeah, yeah, probably. But anyways, um, so that was your first experience as far as being an actual counsel, 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 a counselor. Counselor, Counselor. there you go. Councilman, councilman, counselor, counselor. I know, man. It's been a long day. It's been a long. It's been, it's a Monday, man. Why don't it's you take a break? Okay, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, why don't you just go sell a house while you're at it? <laughs> we're we're almost closed. Anyways, go, go on. So, yeah. So that was my uh, you know first experience into uh, the field of uh, counseling, and then after that, I just you know I worked at different places. Um, I worked for Burbank Unified School District. I worked for Glendale Unified. Um, and uh, I taught also at the, at the um, university level. So I, I taught. I trained other counselors for, for a little bit. And I worked at a community college. I taught there, mm-hmm. uh, two community colleges. What were you LA. teaching at the colleges? I was teaching basic skills, vocational. So I got into the vocational field and development okay. for a while. I worked for the city of L.A., and um, most recently, I've been at the um, private schools. So um, uh, recently, I was at Maranatha High School in Pasadena. Mm, okay. I don't know if you guys have heard of that high school. It's a college prep. It's an evangelical high school. It's a Christian high school. Um, and then uh, this year, I came to um, uh, AGBU in uh, Canoga Park. So uh, AGBU has two campuses uh, one in Pasadena and yes. one uh, in, in Canoga Park. I had no idea there was one in Canoga Park. I'd heard of the Pasadena one, but not Canoga Park. Yeah, that's the earlier one. That's oh, the is first it? campus. Oh, okay. It's a K through 12. And uh, the Pasadena one is just a high school as far as, yes. Okay. It's a high school. Um, so, yeah, I've been a counselor since the beginning. So, are you guiding kids as far as uh, majority of them, are they high school kids? Or are you starting from... Uh, you know, from a young age as far as helping them go from elementary to middle school, from middle school to high school, right, and then from uh, high school on? No, it's been uh, mainly high school. So you're, prepping them for, so you're prepping them for university. That's right, yeah. Okay. Yes. And you're, you said your company name, again, what was? was... So my company is named EduPros USA, okay. which is short for Educational Professionals uh, USA. Mm-hmm. 
And I started this uh, about three years ago. Okay. And uh, the reason I started doing this is because I feel, I felt, and I've always felt that a lot of uh, parents are ill-informed, under-informed, and not knowledgeable about the educational system. And uh, we lose a lot of students because of that. Um, and years after, you know, years and years of seeing students just fall through the cracks. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Armenians, you know, Armenian kids, especially, you know, on my heart because I'm Armenian. Yeah. You know, it's important for me. Of course. For, um, for our youth to be successful. And, you know, as Armenians, you, uh, you guys know, uh, you know, education has a high, high value culturally. Um, so, uh, you know, I, you know, the, it's, it's, the statistics are really horrendous in terms of just the um, awareness, mm -hmm. um, the uh, ratios, you know, in California, California is the third worst in the, in the, in the United States. Is it really? In terms of student to counselor ratio. I think the statistic is one to seven hundred two <clears throat> students. Really? So, uh, so the public high schools, you know, you know, a lot of some of these schools like Hoover, you know, two thousand, two thousand five hundred, you know, they can be high schools as large as maybe three thousand to four thousand students, and you have what three to four, three, four, five counselors. So when you break the ratio down, you it's, realize it's not enough that students do not meet with their counselors. I mean, you guys remember meeting with your counselors when you were in high school? Very I, rarely. I remember yeah, a lot. 11th of and 12th grade one time. One oh, time. I, I went a lot. I did meet with counselors. I remember meeting with reason. counselors. But <laughs> <laughs> no, the, and I mean, I, I went to school a long time ago. So I, I do remember meeting with counselors, but I don't think I ever got any answers from them. Hmm. And that's kind of what I hear a lot from like, uh, friends who have teenage mm. kids where I'll ask them, well, what do you want to do with your life? I don't know. You know, I spoke to the counselor and, uh, we just either the, either the kids maybe are not taking in what's being provided mm -hmm. to them or the counselors are not guiding them appropriately. And that's what I want to ask you is kind right. of what is the role of a counselor? What are they really supposed to do on a, on a middle school level or a high school level? What is the purpose of a counselor? What is the purpose? Okay. that's a good question. Um, what is the role of a counselor? It's, it's, it's a broad question. So the role of a counselor is to meet the uh, social, mm -hmm. academic, educational, emotional uh, needs of the student. It's to be an advocate for, advocate for the student at the school. Um, so if a student is having a hard time, you know, emotionally, the, the counselor is there to help them. If they're having behavioral issues, um, you know, I don't know why I'm pointing at you, but <laughs> how did you know? Back then, it's just like First time we met, the guy doesn't know. You're, you're natural. Well, your yeah, name yeah. was on the files. Like you knew right away. You think this is the bad one. When you, when you do this for a lot of years, you, you can see. You, you identify. <laughs> don't take that personally. Oh, not at all. I don't. Um, He's but flattered by it, actually. Yeah. We'll talk, oh, we'll talk about Edgar and his past. <laughs> We don't need At to the end. <laughs> Please not. Okay. Please not. So uh, the emotional, social, academic, you know, all these fall within the uh, counseling area. Um, student has relational issues, for example, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend issues, um, teacher issues, 
family issues. Family issues, mm-hmm. issues with you know t- uh, principal or whatever it may be. So we're we're kind of a confidant at the school. Someone someone the student can come in and feel fully um, confident that the, that person, the counselor, will keep their you know um, their thoughts and confidence, their their issues. You know, and we're there to advocate for them. You know, we we're not on anyone anyone's side, quote unquote. We're mm-hmm. there for the student. You know, uh, we want to give them the best information. Uh, you know, we want to make sure that they're functioning well. You know, um, psychologically, academically. Yeah. Um, and then if there are issues at school, for example, with the teacher or with their their grades, we're the ones that are there to problem solve. Mm-hmm kind of see what's going on, you know, what, why is there a red flag? What's going on, you know, beneath the, um, beneath the facade, what's going on? Yeah. So um, that's the role. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but you did, that, yeah. it's, it's an all encompassing. It's not just one thing. Mm. Now we're not teachers. We don't teach an academic subject. So we don't teach mathematics or obviously right. science or history or, but we're there for example, we do uh, the credit checks. We make sure the student has enough credits because the state has a requirement that the student has should have a certain amount of credits in certain disciplines, subject areas. Uh, they need to pass exams. Uh, they need to have some extracurricular activities for them to, you know, be able to go to college. Right. Yeah. So we're the ones that keep a record, <clears throat> keep them accountable, keep keep them on track, mm-hmm. and make sure that they're functioning, and you know, so they can meet achieve those goals post high school. Um, just to address, there, there are middle school counselors as well. Uh, there are rarely elementary school counselors. Mm-hmm. There are some, uh, and if there are, there's maybe one counselor to an entire elementary school. You know, if the district is doing well with their finances, maybe two, but usually it's more heavier on the, on the, uh, high school, high school, high school level. level. Yes. See, the, the, the description that you gave is not being advertised to the kids. When I went to high school, we, you know, guidance counselors were the ones, once the teacher sent you to the office, then they would send you to the guidance counselor. And That's it was not more of a, more of a, like a punishment kind of thing. Really? Then, no, yeah. Not for me. I didn't no. have that experience. I had a great counselor. Ours was, I had a really good. No, I'm, I'm not saying they were bad. It's just, that's the role that I saw was you go, oh. you know, they send you with the pinks up to the, you know, to the office. And then the office says, hey, go talk to your guidance counselor. Like, it's the part of the punishment circle. Right? They, did, versus, they did use them for that. He's versus, right. you know, this is the good, you know, parts of the guidance counselor. Go talk to them. Now, here's what I would say is I provided the image of the kind of the ideal function or role of a counselor and the job description. But often, they're not used that way. That's yes. the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's the cor- corrupted version that we see. Mm-hmm. In reality, in the sense that counselors are called in to do discipline, but that's not really their job. Yeah. Right? The assistant principal in charge of discipline or the dean is the one who's supposed to do that. But because of the manpower, we have to deal with behavior issues, you know, mm-hmm. which we, we need to do, but not as often because counseling is more non-threatening to the student. So if you're becoming yes. a discipl- disciplinarian, you're already losing that connection with the student you don't want to have them fear you when they come to you mm-hmm. as they would with the assistant principal or the principal you want them to confide in you you want them to trust you to be open yep um, but we can't play that role 
sometimes. We have to do snack, recess, duty, yeah. lunch duty. Mm -hmm. After school, we need to do it. For example, when I was at Centennial High School, I did a lot of sweeps, tardy sweeps in the morning, calling kids because we had an attendance issue oh. at the school. Kids used to come to school at 8.45, 8.30. The students, the teachers used to lock their doors so they would get caught up in what we call tardy sweeps. So you have all bunch of kids, like a hundred kids. Oh gosh, <laughs> we're chasing around the school, and we're making like military lines, and basically, you know, we have to take them to the office, process, them. process them, and start calling their families. I mean, this is what we did for three, four hours. You, in the you see where the, the whole, yeah, so this connect happens. That's not what we're supposed to do. Now that's in a very tough environment, but even at Glendale High School, that's what they do. It's, you know, again, with six, 600 students, how many of these students are you really talking to colleges about, you know? Yeah. Or if you are, you're talking to the top 10% who are already overachievers or they do well. And, and then you're talking about the lower third or 20%, which are the ones that get referrals that are the, you know, the troublemakers or the behavioral issues. Mm. And then you have a middle 50% of students that never see any kind yeah. of you know, that may not get that attention that they need, you know, and they can do a lot of good if they do see a counselor. Yeah. It can mean the difference between going to college or not going to college or not going. Their life can fundamentally take a different r route. So to go back to your question, why did I start Edupros USA? Because of the gap that exists <clears throat> in the public schools. Yeah. And in the private schools. And it's not to say that private schools are much better. I would say the pu uh, private schools are actually much better at counseling than the public schools are. They are, but I'm not, I was saying not much better. Okay. They, you, you still have maybe 35% or 40% of private school counselors that are focusing on college. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was fortunate enough where my cousin actually told me when well, she was much older, she said, um, I was in 11th grade. She said, go see your counselor. I said, what do you want me to go see my counselor for? She says, listen, you're going to be going, you're going to be graduating in two years. Prep yourself for it. I'm like, why would I go see a counselor for it? It's not like I have, I've done anything wrong or anything to go sit down and talk with them. Because at the time it was kind of like, okay, you're going to go see the counselor. It was more of like, um, okay, what are you doing at school? What do you, what do you, it wasn't for, I didn't think it was for guidance as far as for future. Right. So when I met Mrs. Aladisian, who's actually a Facebook friend of mine, uh, we still keep in touch today. But uh, I actually, from 11th grade to senior year, I would actually meet with her once a quarter. And we would sit down and we would actually structure everything. Because if it wasn't for her, to be honest with you, I would have no idea, hmm. like, what the heck I was going to do after high school. Right. Like, she actually built a structure. She said, okay, this is how many units you're... And then by senior year... I was at like, I think three classes. I had, I had to take um, government. Government and I had to take an English course and then I had to take a science course. And then it was like, I had those three courses. She goes, you have to go take two other courses. I'm like, why? What's the point? She's like, cause you're not going to go home early. Yeah, I ended I up taking, that. I ended up taking ceramics. <laughs> and What's wrong up, with you? Uh, no, no, no. Ceramics. And I was a TA, <laughs> but my, the TA, I was fortunate enough. It was fifth period. And the teacher was just like, just come I sign in and you. leave. Senior year. I had my last three periods. I was TA. TA? Last three periods. There you go. You now have, you haven't had a period since then. <laughs> it happens once in a while. It's a cycle, bro. Oh, okay. you know, on and off type of deal. 
just like the one you have. It's not any different. Like, you guys, uh, you, you I, walked I, into that one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was that big a deal, but okay, if you can get a laugh out of it, I'm happy for you. Go for it. I know you <laughs> Brutal. <clears throat> sorry about this, Daniel. Sometimes we just tend to. You know, like, shy, digress, 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 and just insult each other live on Facebook. But but you know you know what the main thing I mean I have a nine month old boy so he's very young for me to think about what is he gonna do with his life but then I see parents or sometimes just on the internet and even just with conversation you know you gotta start them young while they're in the womb mm-hmm. you gotta read to them you gotta do this do that and I see these kids three four five year olds who have their schedule is more packed than my schedule, and my schedule is pretty packed. And so I'm trying to understand with your experience, looking at, let's say, whether it's public schools or private schools, or in terms of overall statistics of um, who has a better chance of um, succeeding academically and then professionally. Is it the kid that started young at three years old going to these Montessori schools, or mm. is it the kid that just has it naturally, naturally is able to study and do well? Or, I mean, where do you see kind of, where, where do parents really need to focus on? Because I think a lot of parents are wasting time and money and energy on mm. things and sometimes even discouraging the kids from really truly finding out who, who they are and what they want to do with in life. Right. Because, you know, we're all raised, you have to be a doctor or an attorney, otherwise nothing else matters. You're, you're worthless if you need one of those things. Mm-hmm. And those are the two professions that are actually going away. Doctors and attorneys, I mean, they're dime a dozen, especially attorneys. Most of them, you know, work as a teller at a bank or, you know, as a whatever bank, uh, let's say private bank or something, or they do real estate or what have you. So I'm trying to understand kind of, and I think a lot of parents would probably have the same question is. At what age? At what age do you start, how do you kind of steer them in what direction without overbearing them with all this, you know, pressure of this is how you have to do, this is what, this is what the expectations are kind of, does my question make sense? It does make sense. Um, <clears throat> my philosophy is that college starts at the, from the cradle to senior year. Um, you start early. But that doesn't mean you overbear them. You know, these are not mutually exclusive. Um, but you do have to read to them. You know, there, there was a study that my friend just put up um, that said kids who are read to have, I think, one million more vocabulary words by the time they graduate or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, of course, you know, Mozart played the piano when he was very young. We can give examples of of, of, of many kids who uh, started young. Uh, but the important thing that you're saying is do you overbear them? Now, in our context, right, I'm going to talk about Armenian parents. Mm-hmm. We're notorious at, quote, unquote, overbearing our students. You know, Armenian parents put their students in, you know, piano, martial arts, uh, dance, soccer, Ten- tennis, tennis. Five or six things. Now, that's, from my perspective, that's a waste of money, time, energy, and it burns the student out. Mm-hmm. And that's not universities wants. That's the thing. They, parents don't realize that universities, they don't want a student to do six, seven, eight, nine different things. They want a student to do a few things, but to do them well and, you know, kind of get into the 
deep of whatever they're doing. Uh, we were speaking earlier about, you know, maybe going to uh, uh, West Point, you know, what do you need to do for that? You know, do you need to play tennis or do ballet or to do um, all these other activities yeah. for that? I would say no, you know, uh, because that's not preparing them for, for that. So, Armand, to an answer your question is we have to be careful. Um, if your child shows the propensity or the desire or the inclination to play tennis, mm -hmm. have them play starting at five years old all the way through when they're getting ready to graduate or the piano or if they like science or if they play chess. Um, have them do it well because that's what colleges want. So there's a formula for that. It's called persistence over time. Mm -hmm. So how long does the student persist in, an, in a given activity? That's what colleges want. They don't want students who hop and skip and uh -huh. do different things. And parents don't know that. What I'm sharing now, I would say 70, 80% of parents don't know. So part of my services is to structure an extracurricular uh, portfolio mm -hmm. to, uh, that looks at the student's strengths and their natural abilities and their giftings and uh, to follow up with that student and make sure that they're succeeding. You know, if they're doing Lark Academy, you guys know about Lark Academy, yep. which is a musical society yes. in Glendale. It's mm -hmm. very famous. If your student is playing the piano, are they continuing to play? Now, are they participating in compositions, in uh, shows and events, in, um, uh, you know, are they doing performances. any performances? Thank you. I was looking for that word. <laughs> um, are they doing that? Are they contributing something are they developing maybe something are they playing with different people in the field uh, i didn't know about said zarganuman yeah do they have a niche, do they have a niche for it basically right so it's not the surface area it's the when you dive into the ocean you see what the beauty From is within. right not on the surface of the water you don't see what's going on beneath so we want to cultivate cultivate we yes. want to cultivate so as parents i would say to the audience that's watching Observe. Don't push too much. Observe what the natural proclivities are for your student. Yeah. But expose them. You know, expose them to different activities. And let's see where they start to show signs of interest, you know, natural um, uh, uh, calling, a pull. And encourage them. Encourage them see, in those areas. And, 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 and I would just say um, physical activity is good. You know, you want to have them do a sport. Uh, if they're interested in, um, you know, music, music is very good, not only as an extracurricular activity, but for the develop cognitive development. Scouts, too. Scouts, Scouts is great. Very we were just cool. talking about the military yeah. academy. You know, that would be good. I had a student who got into West Point. Now, West Point, the military academy, is, is one of the hardest universities to get into. They accept only 2,000 students every year. And you need to have the um, uh, the backing of two state senators. Oh, really? To go to West yeah. Point, and you know it's produced a lot of generals, presidents. Um, you know, yep. and you have to be a top five percent of your graduating class. Mag lawyers. So that student that got in was accepted was an Eagle Scout. An Eagle Scout is a student who achieves three thousand hours, it's and good. is the highest ranking. So you become an Eagle Scout. Now, you know, it, it was 
it worked for him. You know, he wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's doing well today. So I hope I'm, I was able to answer your question, Armand. You, you, you are. Uh, Armand Demergen had a very, he, he, had a, he had one thing, which is some point that a lot of Armenian families bring up is he says uh, it's about having kids do extracurricular activity. It's about keeping them busy so they don't have time to do stupid stuff, uh, getting them tired. So okay. then by the end of the day, they're ready to knock out and right. the parents could have their, you know, their, their time. Their time to watch soap operas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Army soap operas. <laughs> Armin is uh, looking at it from the practical side, pragmatic side, as a parent, as, as some, somehow to manage, right, the home environment. Yes. As a parent, you want to get them tired because you don't want them to, you know. They sleep so No, 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 not about sleep. It's about keeping them off the streets. That's what it is. Off the streets and maybe off their iPads, I would think. That's what I was, that was right. the point I was going to yeah. make. Now, I'd rather have them do extracurricular activities in the sense that we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Then be on their phone phone all the time. That's junk food for their brain. The phone. The phone, the social media, games, hyper you know, stimulation from social media, you know, uh, the phone. It's yeah. not good for them. Now, if they read books... That's good. That's uh, the veggies of, I call them, of, uh, brain, of the brain. Of the brain. You know, um, but this is the potato chips of the brain. But you know? I mean, what would you say to like, for example, educational stuff, for example, keeping your kid, maybe giving them a little bit of TV time or phone time as far as something educational, like maybe simple songs, baby Einstein, stuff like that. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Um, those are fine in terms of educational uh, material, you know. Okay baby Einstein and, and those things, or if they're learning the alphabet or if, you know, Armenian parents, you know, we play the, um, the dance, Armenian dance, uh, Tallinn videos. Tallinn videos. There I you go. Did that, I did that. Uh, don't remind me. You know, bro. We finally, we finally, I we've left that memorized. Phase. Phase. I haven't memorized. We, yeah. Seven years. yeah. We've left so that my phase. daughter loves that stuff. Now that's okay. But what I'm talking about is Minecraft and, uh, YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. Now YouTube is bad in many different ways it could be good listen it's not it's the agent it, it's not the it's not the object it's how it's utilized no. now you can use these things for the you know in the good ways you can also abuse them you know as adults we can abuse facebook you know yeah, I've, yeah. I've i've i have to say myself you i'm know, guilty yeah. we're guilty right i mean it could just take yeah. and eat up at your life i mean to a point where your relationships start falling apart with your wife you're not talking to your wife but you're on your you know, sometimes you're <laughs> catching yourself, right? <laughs> so <laughs> my wife is going to call me up. Can oh I call that shit? God. I, I don't get that get every night. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. We had that conversation last night. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what I would say is, is read. I mean, I'm a big proponent of reading. Um, you know, when I work with families and students, I assign reading in addition to the homework they get from school that they have to be accountable to. And to me, yeah. because there are books, there are certain books that an educated person should read. Yeah. You know, um, in literature, there are a lot of books, you know, Shakespeare. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, Sorry, I have to say this. My wife just texted me. She's like, that's you, asshole. <laughs> Literally. Oh. I said she's going to call me out. And I, we were Whose phone you, is, want, uh, you want the keys to the studio no, 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 no. We're fine. We're okay. fine. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Go on, go on. You want to yeah. sleep in my car? It's no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Sorry, Daniel. I had to, I had to uh, think. And ouch. <laughs> Barkin makes a great point too. He says oh. it's nature versus nurture. Uh, but if the if the nature which environment sucks, 
then for sure it's over. And conversely, if the child is inherently not interested, it's also over. So it's kind of, I think the challenge is finding that healthy medium be between how much play time versus how much TV time versus how much study time versus, you know, all the chores and so, so many different things that you're trying to balance out, making sure that your kid is not just, you know, somebody who can read, but has zero social skills. Yeah. You can read 18 books a month, but you put your hand out. He doesn't know what to do with it. Like yeah. it just looks at you like, I don't have a book. Sorry. What do I do with this? I didn't read that book. Yeah, I don't know I what to do with <laughs> so now they're, it's like they have to have but a Those map. are connected. Basically the people who, the people that are raising those kids are the same people that use a book to raise their kids. Yes. That have a manual same, for it. Yes. So, yeah. They'll go and buy a manual. <laughs> Use a manual for everything. <laughs> Honey, I think on page 17 it says... Parenting for dummies. Yeah, we need to tap his back four times. <laughs> when he's choking, you and then, tap. Oh, no. And then turn him around. Now we got to turn him around and barf him once. Just let it go, man. Let nature do it. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of parents that don't let nature take its course. They're just... <laughs> they gotta... Here's, here's a question that uh, I, would, I want to bring up. Right, sure. Um, when we were growing up, we would come home Sorry, from what question? I'm, I'm actually saying the question. Well, let him ask the Oh, no, question. I thought he said I have a something question. I missed that part. I have I a question. Oh, okay. So uh, when we were growing up, we would come home from school, throw the backpacks at home, and go play outside. Nowadays, the kids don't do that as much, mm. and I try to get my, you know, my son to go out. Now his friends and stuff have bikes, and they go out and ride bikes after school or once they're done with homework. They, you know, they get together and ride around. You know, the uh... tell them to stay away from the potholes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they do. Sorry, man. We had a we had a pothole discussion with our guys. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. Sorry. And Sonora. <laughs> Stay away from Sonora. Yeah. Daniel's like, just so, Daniel's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? We'll talk about it after the show. We'll tell you. Okay. So, uh, what would you say about encouraging them to be outside, to be with friends? That's a that's a good question. I would say it's a good thing. You know, it's good for them to be outside, as compared to being in all the time and and being on their again their devices, their gadgets, right? But it's it's not the way it was before when we used to grow up. You know, it's because of technology. There are less kids outside on the streets mm -hmm. playing. And sometimes parents feel it's not safe. And that's another reason why uh, parents have a lot of activities. It's because they feel like it's, a, it's an environment where it's safe. There's a coach, you know. Adult presence. There are adult presence. So to answer your question, it's a, it's a very good thing. For them to to be in the real world because they're always caught up in the simulated world, virtual world. a virtual world, which is constantly throwing images that are, you know, running in front of their eyes, you know, but it's not reality. They're they they are they go into a story. Daniel, sorry, that's framed for them. Just a little bit more. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So you want to bring them back into reality. You want to. Um, have them play. Play is an important part of development, yeah. right? Obviously. So uh, that's a positive thing. We, we need to encourage that. The parents to take them to the park to play with them, you know, as much as they can. And I know it's difficult for, you know, us 
as as uh, families growing up yeah. here because we're working. You know, uh, some you know, usually they're both parents are. are but that's are working. a choice too, Daniel. Some parents prefer to spend more time at work instead of maybe taking that extra hour that at is. home. Yeah, but Daniel, since I you're on, a, you're on, you're more of on a high school level. Let me ask you this: sure. as far as extracurricular activity, activity, and as far as kids doing sports or chess or whatever it is, from ninth grade to twelfth grade, what how what would you recommend as far as the maximum amount of activity outside of school for yeah. the kids to be engaged in yeah uh, there is no set number but i would say if roughly two or three activities at the most but these are activities that the students should be doing from early on as i was mentioning let's say for example it's Doesn't soccer it depend or something how much they can handle that should be per child it is it is so that's why i'm saying it's difficult to answer because everybody has a different level yeah. of capacity some students that are academically oriented mm -hmm. and can handle a lot of things maybe they can do more so that's when i meet with a family i look at all of that i look at their life what's going on in their in their world mm -hmm. what are their grades but the issue is i finding out when i meet with our families is that a lot of students are doing sports you know volleyball soccer uh, any of these sports but tennis tennis um but they're going home late at night. You know, they go, they get home at 7.30, On a because weekday. they have to do sports yeah. during certain semesters. And that drains their energy. You know, academically, it brings them down. But what is the investment of that time give them in the future? Are they going to be an NCAA Division I athlete? Are they going to get a scholarship? What are the percentages of these, you know, students who get to play at a UCLA or a Stanford or a, Three to four percent. You know, it's very low. So yeah. are they using their time wisely? So it's you're, you're right. It's per student, per capacity, per discipline. Everybody's different. It's it's custom, you know, it's customized to the capacity of the student. Abilities so, too. You know, I would say two two to three at the most, depending on what they're doing. And some activities take more time. Yeah. Right? Obviously. Of course. Some of them take less time. And then activities should be kind of diverse. You know, um, you should do something possibly as a sport, but you should, all, you should also think about something in the area, a major area or an area that you want to get into into the future. Yeah. So if you want to be a doctor, I'll advise students to do some research at a university. With volunteer a, at the hospital. Or volunteer at a I hospital. See. You know, I so see. it depends on your, if you're a lawyer, you may want to go to a law firm. And do some volunteer. shadowing or volunteer work. Yeah. Um, it depends on the student. It's yeah. you. We have to look at the entire dynamic. When I, when I was playing, I played soccer in high school, and it was there was kids really? where they yeah, for Hoover. Uh, there was there was kids that actually had to you had to average a two point in order to play, and there was kids that they couldn't average that two point and it was like you know what you can't play. It was so discouraging for them where. When they when they would stop playing as well, their academics would drop as well because it was like I think it was more of like an emotional kind yeah, of. Because you take away the one thing they like about school. Yeah, like they were great at it. Like we had some players on the team who were probably one of the best players, you know, at the time. Right. And you were like, you know what, we need him, and we would kind of encourage him and tell him, look, you need to bring go up your GPA, better. go do. It. But when you can't play, he's like, you know what, no, if I can't play, forget this. You know, I don't want to deal with the school anymore. And it would actually, it would actually, help, it wouldn't help the student at all. What would you do in that case as a as a guidance right. counselor? You have somebody who's struggling in school, but they're a fantastic, you know, a soccer player or basketball player or athlete. 
I mean, where's your guidance there? How do you approach a student? That's a tough one. Uh, my question would be, how did it get there? Why, yeah. what, why wasn't the any cause. intervention done prior to them becoming an 11th grader yeah. or 10th grader? That's problematic to me. You know, why are they coming to school with the mindset of playing, just playing sports? You're a student athlete, right? Yeah. You're a student and an athlete, and there are some, there's a connection there. The student so comes you, first, though. <laughs> student comes first. You have to have a certain amount, as you said, 2.0, 2.5. Yeah. Cumulative overall GPA or a certain GPA during the semester to participate. So why did it get to that? It shouldn't get there. It shouldn't get there. And that's not the point of school is not just to go be on a team and then just blow everything else out. You know, when they're older, that's tough. You know, as an 11th grader, there isn't much you can do to intervene. It starts early, you know, middle school, elementary school. Yeah. Um, you know, you get help. You ask, you know, you go see the school, school counselor. Again, a lot of our families, the, and I don't want to generalize for people watching because there are a lot of, you know, families that are up to observant, date. up to date. They go meet with the teachers. They ask questions. They go see the counselor. Absolutely. But unfortunately, the mindset that I've seen is, you know, you drop off your student in high school as a ninth grader. You pick them up as a senior. And you hope things, all goes well. Things go well. Well, wh why would you play dice with the future of your of your student? You know what's what could be more important, gentlemen? Right? What could be more important than the future of your child? Because you can't do over. No, 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 no. A, a child, a human being, is not something that you know. <clears throat> you get a car if it doesn't work. You get another model. You know. <laughs> there's no or, there's uh, no return policy on it. If you don't like a house, which is a more kind of a fixture, permanent uh, investment. You can sell it in 10 years and get a new one. Yeah. You only have your child once in your life, and there's no do-over. You keep them. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of influence on them. And if you have the resources and if you have the awareness and the knowledge, why not invest? Why not do it for your child? So with the information. And, um, you know, the, the counseling, yeah. right? In this case, we're talking about educational guidance and counseling. Someone else can have an impact. I'm not even talking about a college counselor. Um, another adult, another educator can have a lot of impact on a student that a parent may not have. They can speak into their life. You know, they can, it, it can really change, you Absolutely. know. You know, tell them what the expectations are, where you're going, what the consequences of the choices are going to be. So um, that's why I'm a big proponent of early intervention, early guidance. Yeah. So my company, my voice in the field is, let's not wait until your student is an 11th grader or a 10th grader. When they're in middle school, meet with me. Let me do a four-year plan for your student. Let's write all the classes they have to take for the next four years, the type of extracurricular activities they should be involved in, the type of test scores they need to have. Yeah. Listen, when you're an 11th grader, there isn't much time to improve on your SAT score. No. Because that's a cumulative uh, knowledge that have, was built up from the time you were in elementary school, hence the reading early. Because if you don't have those vocabulary words, the reading comprehension, you're not going to do well later on because there's a gap. It's cumulative. It all builds on top of each other in the academic sense. Absolutely. So that's why we want to intervene on early. 
If you see signs of students struggling in elementary school, you should have that teacher meeting and see how you can help your kid, but not to ignore it, you know? Um, so that's what my company offers is, yeah. you know, you know, bless their soul, but the counselors are very busy yeah. and, and parents don't have the guidance. So I step in and I say, you know what, let me, let me be an advocate for you. So I meet with a family, I meet with a student, and we build a plan. And my meetings are all, I usually go to the homes yeah, where the parent and the mother and the father are on the table. It's me and the student. It's on a personal, it's more a personal it's level. Personal it's touch. not even an office. Everything needs to be comfort level. Comfort level and everything needs to be open. So the parents have input. Yeah. The student is there. I'm there. Um, it's open. So, uh, and then that's where we start talking about, you know, what you need to do. What are the to be on track I think with the, college. I think with a guidance counselor or any sort of counselor uh, with the parents, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like a marriage because you can't do it alone. The parents have to be on top of it as much as the counselor has to be on top of it. I think there's a lot of parents out there who actually think school is just basically babysitting. Yeah. They drop off their kids, they pick them up, and then I don't even think any of them, well, not, not the ones that are basically struggling I think the parents don't even help them with their homework and the kids struggle. And as time goes on, that's what's basically indented in this kid's head that, okay, this is what school is about. Me going, coming home, doing my homework the way I could do it as, you know, basically in my whatever power I have and my parents aren't supposed to help me. And I turn it in and the teacher's supposed to teach me it. And if the teacher's failing at it, the parents come in, they blame the teacher instead of blaming the kid. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's actually the parents' fault. But I'm, I, see, I, I see what you're saying, but I think the challenge, and maybe you can help me kind of clarify this for me, is you've got a 13, 14-year-old child who's in middle school borderline. Is that already, I guess, almost yeah, high school? Middle, yeah. High school. <clears throat> so ninth grader. if you're prepping them in terms of, because your preparation is also, I assume, would have to be based on where they want to go. I mean... The prep for UCLA versus CSUN versus Harvard is probably a little bit different. Is different, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, at third, I've never seen a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid. I've asked a question to hundreds of them over the years. Mm. What are you gonna? What are you? What are you gonna do after high school? It's like 99% is that's what they want to do after high school. So, if they themselves don't know what they and and I don't blame them. Look, a 16, 17-year-old kid doesn't know what he or she wants because. Everybody had five thinks I'm going to be a cardiologist. And then they hit 12. They think, well, I think I'm going to be a dancer. And then by 16, they have a driver's license. And they, they have think. no idea what they're going to be. An IG, I'm going to be an IG model. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how do you prep them for something where they, them, you don't yeah. even know which direction yeah. you really need to prep them for? And then at what age do you think they kind of need to have at least to an extent, figured out, okay, I want to go into sciences maybe, or um, I want to be a mechanic or whatever it happens to be, an engineer, anything. So when, at what age do you think, or what age, um, what, what period, do, is it the right time where you think they need to at least have something in mind? Yeah, okay. So part of the reason why the kids don't know is because, they don't have a map. They don't have, they don't know what the expectations are. So part of my job is to present the end for them in a sense, because the kid doesn't know, right? 
They don't know what the expectations for the UC system are. UC Berkeley, UCLA, UC San Diego. You know, there are three different tiers within the UC system. So going to Riverside is much different than going to UC Berkeley. Okay, we're talking about the UC system. Now, in the state of California, we have the CSU system, the Cal State system, which we're talking about 24 universities which, with a different expectation. And then we have private schools like Stanford, Occidental, Claremont, Pepperdine, UIC. They have their own sets of expectations. So how are they going to know if, you know, there's no meeting? There, you know, there has to be some type of a baseline where they have a roadmap, right? to know what they want to do. Now, in terms of what they want to do as a professional, um, they don't need to necessarily know and pick something when they're a ninth grader or a tenth grader. As a matter of fact, usually students change their major once they become a junior, going from sophomore year to junior year. I heard there's a statistic that 50% of students change their major when they're at the university let alone knowing what they're going to be for the rest of their life when they're in high school. But um, you see things that they're good at. How do you see these things? Okay, so you see their grades. For me as a counselor, what gives me a lot of information is how they're performing in, their, in, their, in, the, in the given discipline or subject. If a student is doing well in science, um, that gives me some clues. If a student is doing well in history, speech and debate, or if they're doing well in uh, English, that gives me a lot of information. And what I do is work, work backwards and I say, okay, so you're good in these areas. What are some offshoots of these subjects? What careers do these feed into? Mm. Um, and how do I test that? That's still in the theory stage. In practice, how do you test that? By doing volunteer work. Now, so we talk about certain extracurricular activities where they can go and observe someone who is in that field. So, um, you know, if they're good at history and English, there is a possibility that they could be a lawyer. Speech and debate, that makes sense. There's a, yeah. there's a theme there, right? Mm -hmm. So I would have them do some, take an extra class, maybe if they're interested in that field, if there's a, there's a, there's a writing class, maybe, for lawyers, for those who want to, you know, uh, be a better writer, you know, have them take it at a community college or an online school to see if they truly like that. So we have the theory. It's always theory, and you have to test it empirically to see if it verifies, right? It's not just what I want to be, uh, you know, uh, abstractly. Yeah. Um, so if they want to be a scientist, or if they want to be a doctor, we'll go to the hospital. Let's have you do... Um, two summers in a row yeah to see if you feel if you feel at home in that environment you know or um, if when you shadow a doctor do you like doing the tasks doing the things that a doctor does do you like working with patients do you, can you put up with blood can you pull up you know put up with sick people do you have the heart for that can you stay so, awake 24 hours can you stay awake can you I, I always tell kids listen Doctor sounds glamorous, but when they call you when you're around at that Thanksgiving table, right, or at Christmas time or whatever holiday, in the morning. and you get a call that you can't be around your family and you got to go work and, you know, around the clock, 
are you ready to live like that? Are yeah. you ready to do that? Because that's what it entails. It's not just the glamour of being a doctor and, and, and doing, doing these easy. big things. It's not easy. Nothing is easy. Exactly. Um, you know, so that's how I would answer your question, Armand, is the, the clues that I get. Now, I don't always, you know, I don't say this is what you're going to be. That's, we don't know. It's, it's just we have to gather evidence. But by the time they're an 11th grader or 12th grader, we, ha we can have a good idea. You know, we can have a good idea whether the student is going to go into the medical field. Now, we don't have to be precise into that specialty within that medical field, but we can have a range. And by the way, medical students, they have to all go into pre-med yeah, and right. take chemistry, organic <laughs> chemistry, biology. You know, it's not that they choose, you know, they want to be a, a surgeon or a... Even to go to dental school, you know, they don't. They need to do pre-med first, and then apply to go to dental school or optometry or, or, or a surgeon. So, it's it becomes narrower and narrower as they go through their journey, mm -hmm. their educational journey. And a counselor is the person who's done this basically, a thousand times with a thousand kids that has a lot of empir empirical data, that knows the um, the similarities, the propensities, and all that, and you can. Help guide that student mm -hmm. instead of that student not knowing anything, you know, yeah. not knowing about the uh, the professional world, not knowing about the job market, not knowing about the majors, not knowing about the requirements. So a counselor knows all of these things, the big picture, and you just start putting the pieces of the puzzle together to form the puzzle for that individual student and family. Makes sense. So there, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of factors. You know, there are students who go to school because they're, they're – um, Parents went to USC, you know, they're a legacy student, and that's where they want to go to school. Um, you know, people, people go to, people go to um, you know, a Christian university because they're a religious family. They yeah. want to go to Pepperdine or Cal Lutheran or a Biola university. You yeah. know, there are different things that make tick, a family tick, so yeah. you have See, to work with them. When my wife was going to nursing school, when she started her rotations, she she's fine with, like, the whole blood and patients and sick and all that stuff, so... Some of her classmates who were doing the rotations with her, a lot of them were just like, oh, my God, is this what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives? And some of them actually, instead of, and they go to there because they go become a nurse because they're saying, oh, you know, the pay is high. But then when they start seeing the patients, the blood, the IVs, all that stuff, they're, they're basically step back and they go, well, this is what I'm going to be doing. And a majority of, you know, her old classmates, now they all work at like laser centers and like Botox centers and stuff like that. So I think what you're saying is, uh, it's a good thing that, you know what, maybe while they're in high school, you know, seeing, okay, this kid is good in science. Maybe this kid is meant to be a doctor. Let's, you know, go do some rotations at a hospital. Maybe a doctor is not for you. Maybe it's pharmaceutical. Maybe it's not pharmaceutical. Maybe it's something else in the medical field because of the science, you know, that they're good at the science portions. Right. So, um, and, I wanted to put, sorry, sorry. To it's okay. I want to put my, I, my idea is the parents are who we need to go after on the show. The parents have to be responsible enough to go and ask for assistance from someone like Daniel for their kids to succeed because a kid really doesn't know at 14 what's next. Mm -hmm. What if you have a great athlete on your hands and they're actually studying, but they don't know what school the kids should go to? Mm -hmm. Some schools are good for athletes. Some schools are not. Mm -hmm. And not all athletes come out of that school and become an NBA basketball player. But at least they'll go, but to, a at least school, they'll yeah. go to a good school. 
So that's very important for the parents to understand that they need to go and see the professional about yeah. that. Uh, I didn't have anyone like that's that. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah, we've had a bunch of people log in and, and are watching us now as well. So uh, we're here with uh, Daniel Merabian. He's actually uh, a, a student guidance counselor for uh, high school and up, up into you know uh, higher education universities, four-year universities, UCs, uh, Yale, Stanford's, anywhere, you name it. Um, so Daniel, we have a very good question from uh, Armin. He says, what do you think about having middle schools serve from sixth grade to ninth grade and then high schools do 10 to 12? But also the second part of the question is... Oh, I didn't see the second good, part. Yeah. Then oh, he says, do you think kids should have a choice in opting out and not going to high school rather going to a publicly funded technical or vocational school? In place of high school? Yes. Okay. I, I guess the question may be at one point do you decide, look, my kid's not going to be a, mm. an accountant or uh, a lawyer, lawyer or a whatever. Um, he's great with his hands. He wants to be a mechanic. Let's, let's not waste any more time. Let's just put him to a, a vocational school for him to become a certified technician, for example. How do you and when do you determine that's that? That's a good question. Armin? Yes. Ar Armin, that's a good question. I was expecting this question to come up, uh, and it's a very good question. Now, I want to, I'm personally, I'm, I have a bias. I'm going to talk about my bias. I'm a very academic-prone thinker mm -hmm. philosophically because I, I, I think college is good in so many different ways, uh, not only for a career, but it just, grows your mind and it makes them, it makes you a well-rounded person. It gives you a more cultured person, gives you a different perspective about life, you Net know, networking, networking and all of this, you know, I'm, I'm very big on that, but I, I do believe that not everyone may be successful at a college and that's okay because there are things in life that others do that are okay you know you're gonna need like, someone to fix your door one day doors are not gonna disappear <laughs> not everybody has to be a doctor your plumber you plumber, know your yeah. um, carpenter your um, you know the person the person who comes in when you're locked internet out, the, people the locksmith, 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 locksmith you know yeah. that's you're gonna a, need that i found out that was such an important job you know i mean your yeah. things that come up you have no idea how many times i use locksmiths <laughs> a lot right so uh, to answer Armin's question is <clears throat> we can know that early on just the same way we work with other students if a student is kind of kinesthetically oriented or if they're good with their hands or you know if they like to fix things you know parents will tell me you know you know my kids doing does legos and they've always manipulated things and they always took their computer apart and put it back you know that's okay there there is room for that and we identify those kids and and you know there's training programs there are vocational schools community college is a good place to get a certificate in a vocation or an associate degree it's a great place mm -hmm. and and uh, why do we do that you know we do uh what nurses do um lvns right to a two-year degree right um if you want to go on go to rn you can go on and get your doctorate or whatever the case may be but there are different um avenues avenues for each kid depending on their Interest. Who they are and their interests. Like a you welder. Know, so, Welders make really good money. Absolutely. Roofers. roofers. I, I, I found out that roofers, you know, especially when it, it's been raining for the last six months. I have a friend who, who's in the, who does a company. He goes, they're like crazy booked for Super busy, yeah. three last yeah. three months. Mm -hmm. They've been working so much. Yeah. Uh, so not everybody 
again, we talk, you know, not everybody is, has to go to college. Um, now, if you can go to college, you have the desire to, it's a good place to go because you grow up in college. You know, it gives you a chance to experience life. You become an adult, you know, especially when kids go away yeah. to a university campus. And actually and, dorm there. And yeah. they dorm there. And, you know, we're talking party there. us Armenians, you know, um, it's very difficult because we like to keep, you know, to cocoon together, right? We like to keep, <laughs> keep them in the nest. Keep yeah. them in the nest. So it's very challenging advising Armenian parents because you can have these brilliant students that are very academically oriented who can be a Princeton, a Harvard student, a Yale student. A Brown student, yeah. But, you know, hey, you got to go to Northridge or you <laughs> got to stay here, go to UCLA or USC. USC. That's and it. You're like, wow. I mean, in Nebraska or in Georgia or in Texas, they would Great love schools. to have you, your student there, and they'll give you, give you $30,000 a year. See, how does that scholarship to go? But convincing them is not easy. Exactly. How does um, that topic come up? How does that conversation come up? You have an Armenian family here, and it's, let me put it this way their daughter is sitting with you, and she's a valid Victorian student, straight A's. She's a volleyball champ, like an expert in volleyball captain. And Yale basically is giving her a free ride. And then there's UCLA. I mean, it's like, I, I don't want to call it apples and oranges, but it's like you, it, you're talking about a, a very prestigious school, which yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to you know, bash UCLA at all. I went to UCLA. Man. No, no, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to. But it's like you have an opportunity to go to Yale or Brown or uh, a very top-notch school where the networking there is by far, I mean, it's, it's, you'll meet some very, very interesting kids there that belong to the next Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Or Steve Jobs. You know, and or, it's like the parents go, you know what? No, no, no. I don't want my daughter to go um, outside of Los Angeles. Do you ever help students as far as the, with their FAFSA once they get well, into Hold on. Let him answer. Let him answer that. Okay. I mean, how the, oh, how okay. the conversation comes and then we'll get to FAFSAs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's, I'm going to be really honest with you. It's very hard to work with a family like that. The family who's made up their mind that their child is not going to go anywhere outside of LA. You, you almost can't convince that those parents at all. Well, I, I can't say at all. I can't be dogmatic and say it never happens. If it does, the conversation has to start early. I see. Not when they're 11th grade, when they've applied and they're waiting or they've been admitted, let's say, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's March of their senior year. For me to convince their parents to let that per, you know, their kid go is almost 99%. No. No. Even though you basically lay down the entire groundwork as far as the school, um, you know, the people that have come out of it. Arna, yeah. Do you know why yeah. it's a no? Why? All the relatives are going to look down on the dad and the mom. How did you let your daughter leave your house to go to school? Because a lot of parents have Well, I that. think it's that. It's, 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 I would say it's maybe our parents' generation that yeah. would probably think that way. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter. She's one, in, one, uh, one year and six months. Into college. Yeah, not into college. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a daughter. I have no idea who the hell she is. It's like, <laughs> Remember, bro? Remember that time at the, at, in Boston? But, no, uh, your TJ. wife is going to text you. I know she is, bro. That I know time she was is. in TJ. Oh, God, yeah. no. God, no. Anyways. But, for example, if, if my daughter were to going into high school and, you know what, she got a 
I hope it happens, but you know, they give her a scholarship to call it Harvard. And then there's another, she gets another scholarship to call it UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. They're both far away. I mean, Berkeley's closer. Right. Or let's not go to UC Berkeley. Let's call it UCLA. I would say go to Harvard. Why? Maybe because it's my generation. It's different. Yeah. I mean, what would you guys say? What would you say? For example, if Noah got into Harvard, right, and then you're, what well, would Noah would be different? He's a boy. <laughs> I have two daughters. Sophia. Hey, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, right now. I'm Harvard, from... UCLA. You should got Harvard. into both. What about you? Hmm. With Sasha and. I'm probably, I would never push my kids into anything. Um, no, 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 no. Okay, um, let's say for example, they want to go to Harvard. They want to go overseas. Yeah, You're okay with it? Yeah, yeah. You see, I, maybe it's maybe it's the culture. It's changing. Well, but I kind of I'm going to piggyback on that because before I answer whether I would send my son to Harvard or UCLA, my question is, and I've been to both campuses, hmm. and <clears throat> what I learned from it is, for example, when I was at Harvard and. Um, MIT, or even when I was near Silicon Valley, uh, just visiting the, the area, the conversations the students have just by, you go to a coffee shop or somewhere, a cafe having lunch, the conversations they're having is all about startups. Mm. I swear, if I went to Silicon Valley, I would come back invested in probably two dozen businesses. That's why I don't go there, because <laughs> just the conversation you Everything hear, going on. it's so stimulating. You're like... I remember this one kid had this bicycle he invented, and I think now it's a big deal. This was about, when was I in Boston? Forget, maybe three three years ago. Mm-hmm. It was some automated bicycle that rides on its own and oh, all these different Yeah, the chain that basically <clears throat> it spins the chain for you, basically. Yeah. And I'm sitting there next to the kid. My wife and I were, were having lunch, and he's showing a demo, and he even asked me, he's like, do you want to take it for a spin? And now this kid is, maybe doing 20, 50 million a year, whatever he's doing. So my question to you is, is it worth, are you really, my understanding has always been, you go to Harvard not because the education is that much better than UCLA. You go to Harvard because you're going to be sitting next to a kid whose dad is the CEO of, let's say, uh, Goldman Sachs or whoever. So it's the networking. It's the people you're going to meet that are going to set you up and recruiters go to some of these Right. Harvards and so on to to recruit top notch guys for finance, whatever, medical school, law school, right? Is that is that true or is it am I wrong about well, that? Well, uh, <clears throat> no, you're you're right. Um partly. Um I have a stu- I had a student, well, I have a student that is facing the same thing that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. he got into UC Berkeley and Stanford. Okay. And but the, the conversation was about in the Silicon Valley, the majority of the CEOs recruit from the Stanford program more than they do with the UC Berkeley program. Mm. The, the, the UC Berkeley program is not as well known amongst the CEOs in the Silicon Valley. So for him to be at Stanford would give him more opportunities because they come looking for those what, 30, 40 students from that department who are there, you know. Um, as far as the quality of the education, when we're talking about UCLA and MIT, it's, a, it's, it's close. I mean, UCLA is the Harvard of the West Coast. I mean, we're talking about the same students that apply to MIT are the ones that are applying to UCLA. It really is. I mean, it's the number one public school in the country now. Mm-hmm. In the last, it passed, surpassed Berkeley two years ago. Really, I didn't know. It, it gets what 
over 110,000 applications every year now, UCLA does, and it admits 16%. Wow. Um, and we're talking about general admissions. We're talking about engineering. We're talking about six, seven, eight percent. That's a um, that's that's a very small percentage. That's a small percentage. Um, but that's twenty five thousand kids. Um, twenty twenty five, right? To uh, annually admitted. Yeah, but they only four thousand attend. Actually, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the attendance is about four. 000. Yeah, about four thousand students. So my point is, um, it's you know, it's the um, level of education is is generally the same we're talking you're when you're talking about these selective universities mm-hmm. um but it's not only there then you have to get into the departments it's not only the university now a major at a certain university can be ranked much better than a major at at a, at a similar selective university you know um I don't know, uh, business administration, let's say, yeah. um, at uh, Northridge, at mm-hmm. CSUN. You know, CSUN has a great business program. I'm an alumni there. <laughs> there you go. Um, so if you're talking about business, you're talking about USC in this area, and you're talking about CSUN. Yes. You know, um, but CSUN is not ranked overall very high in terms of nationally, in terms yes. of the uh, rankings. Mar- Marshall School. No, that's USC. That's USC. Yeah, right? that's USC. Um, so... It's the major, and within the major, some people look at the professors. Mm. You know, um, there are certain professors that work on certain projects or have some research grants that are awarded. Now, to work, it's very exciting for a new student, for a student to go into, to work under the auspices of a certain department under a certain professor. Now we're getting more fine-tuned and narrowed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are a lot of factors in play. It's, it's... The university, it's the professors at that university. Um, it just depends on so many things, you know. Um, and, you know, there are, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about politics uh, or, you know, these types of views on the <laughs> show. But some parents, you know, look at universities based on how the university is in terms of its political, political views. Yeah. Right? Uh, there, you know, there are, you know, there are parents who, who think Berkeley is just, too liberal, right? Aren't you know. most of them though? What? Aren't most universities? California, yeah. Well, very liberal. There, there are, you know, there's a. Uh, you think Harvard is liberal? Spectrum. I was the word I, I was looking so. for. You don't think so? I don't think so. Have they allowed Ben Shapiro to, to give a speech? I think so. Have they? Have they had the wiseness there yet? No, they're not. They're not <laughs> He's good. Working enough. on it. They're not good. So, almost. My point for bringing up the politics is. Yeah. It, it depends on the family and their values and their leanings, you know. It's not just the university. So, you know, um, and some people like that, you know. I mean, it's not to say if you go to Berkeley, it's, it's a bad thing because some, maybe you can fine-tune your own, you know, your, um, your, your skills and, and really stand up for what you believe in. And, you know, the diversity is, you know, there's a lot of diversity at a school like Berkeley compared to a school like Stanford, for example. Yeah, it's obviously. a melting pot there. Um, and then UCLA is is a little bit different on that on that spectrum in terms of uh, its you know its leanings. You know, I mean, I I went to UCLA. Um, I know more about UCLA than the uh, some of the other schools. But um, every university, the universities have their own character, yeah. and um, they have profs, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's really the prof. It's who you study under. That's also very important. It's it's you know who's gonna who's gonna you know who, who you're gonna learn under Absolutely. who you're gonna study under, you know um, there's someone you want to study depending on your major you know um, are you gonna be a humanities major or again are you gonna be a science major, 
Um, are you going to liberal arts, liberal arts, <laughs> psychiatry, is that psychology? <laughs> ben Shapiro says you're going to be a lesbian yoga dance instructor. Or, exactly. Or what's the point of, but I mean, Daniel, you talk about all these great schools and a lot of these great schools, obviously on a financial level, they're very expensive. And as time is going on, they're getting even more and more expensive. And, uh, one yeah. of our f- listeners, Armand has a very good question. He says, what is your guidance as far as for parents who can't afford right. to send their kids off to a good university or a good college? Well, if they can't afford, it's kind of uh, general. I would ask more questions about that because it, it, he's I listening mean, in. So I mean, it depends on you know. You can get it depends on your expected family contribution. You were talking about FAFSA. It depends on how much you know what your taxes show and the government. There are grants, there are loans, there are work-study programs. So I would ask him, you know, he can get a lot paid off if the student, you know, if his uh, child is a good student. You can get a lot of merit scholarships. At first, um, I wouldn't worry too much about the, the money because you can, we, you can, we can find money for the student. I would invest in the student because if their grades are good, their test scores are good, the universities will throw money at them for the student to go to the school. So money is not the beginning, the conversation point. I would work on to see where, you know. You're talking about public and private, right? I'm talking about everything. Sometimes private schools, and I'll get to your question. Sometimes private schools come out uh, cheaper than a public school because they – subsidize yeah. a lot of the tuition. Of course. So, you know, a uh, Stanford or an MIT or a Harvard can, be, you know, uh, can afford be less can, yeah. than a UCLA. Yeah, they could afford to actually bring in the... You do the numbers. And a, a school like Harvard, who has zillion dollars of money in the Great Foundation. Of course. You know, they have a lot of money to give you because they're just so wealthy. Yeah. Compared to a Berkeley where your student can be that straight A student, but you're paying everything out of your pocket. Yeah. Because the UCs are not giving you any financial yeah. aid. I think it's yeah. the private universities that have the best alumni programs because the alumni continue to kind of donate to the universities. USC, Harvard, all those universities. They're, I mean their alumni their, their budgets can be uh, as ridiculous as large as an Ivory Coast yeah. or a, or a small country. Yeah. I mean some of these universities. Honestly, I forgot. Are you Sorry. serious? <laughs> you were talking about fast Oh, I tried to talk five times every time. <laughs> I'm just not going to talk. You're having a period now. <laughs> <laughs> My next question was actually... I just got like an Howard Stern kind of a no. feel to this show a little bit. <laughs> My next question was going to lead into that. Daniel, let's what say did you, you expect? Come on, man. I, You've I, seen I my posts. You know. <laughs> I, I, I hope you were used to, You've seen this before, right? Oh, yeah. You're yeah used our, to our my next question actually leads into this. Now, let's say you have a parents that brought their kid to you at beginning of high school. And okay. their kid was able to just accomplish a 3.0 mm-hmm. and not much more than that. Just, I mean, not all kids are meant to have 4.0. It's simple. If you push your kids too much, you can lose them. Now, is do you ever advise any of these kids to go to community college first? Oh, that's a, that's another good question. Yes. Oh, if you, you let, you I'll ask you, a lot of good you, questions. You, you, yeah, you guys should let him ask some questions. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to mute my mic. <laughs> this guy's mic was done. I'll, I'll see you guys next Monday. <laughs> Thank you. 
Or maybe we can talk until next Monday. <laughs> that too. Like we can talk. We're, we're an hour and 20 minutes in, so. Really? It doesn't yeah. feel that long. Yeah, that's why we, like we just started. Yeah. Oh, I was just getting warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was about to bring the bench for you, so you got to kick your feet up a little oh, bit. Boy. He's going to do some barbecue on the side. <laughs> Good question. So when it comes to community colleges, I need to be a little careful because this is a sensitive topic in our community, as you guys know. Um, and a lot of people are watching who are, uh, probably want to hear my answer to this question. My natural, my philosophy towards community colleges is I'm not in favor of community colleges if you don't have to or you don't meet a certain profile for the community college, let's put it that way. Um, I think for many years in our community, in what I'm talking about, when I'm saying my community, I'm talking about Glenda Unified School District and, you know, Hoover, CV, yeah, Glenda uh, High, uh, Clark Magnet. Um, there's a belief that community colleges is where students should go, Right. See, yeah, you're, we you guys were, are taking your we heads. Were, uh, yeah, that's, yes, that's what right? we were pushing into. Majority of us. Right. I, you can say no, but majority uh, was. I, right. Yeah, I, I was. I, I'm sure. You know, we, we we kind of that aura, that thing was in the air. Now yeah. it's cheaper. It's cheaper, but we can demystify that here. That was not the only. That's reason. not necessarily true. When we talk about cheaper, I break this down when I do presentations. Is it really cheaper? Because if you go to a community college, just quickly, right? You spend usually five years in getting your degree, don't you? Um, with now, all the people competing with all the people that, that wants of, to take the class classes, right? Yeah. You you don't get all the classes that you want. You talk to a lot of kids now. You know you have to jump from different colleges to get a course that you and need you to graduate. You gotta go on a waiting list. Every class you go in there, you sit down. You go on a waiting list, and if they have room, second week of class, they tell you you have to leave. Right now, the point is: so if it takes you now, on average, five years to graduate with a bachelor's degree if you transfer from a community college compared to a student who will graduate from four years if they go straight to a four-year university that fifth year is costing that student about forty to forty five thousand dollars really why because of because the of the earning income earning potential right so if a student graduates a fourth year they're usually can get into a job right that will make them pay for forty forty five thousand dollars a year but how much did they save going to a community college the first two three years yeah i mean i took a lot of courses i went to CSUN and i went to gcc simultaneously why because there was courses at gcc i could take to transfer to csun right that were hundreds of dollars cheaper okay let's let's break it down how okay so csun would cost I think the figures are $15,000 a year, if, Roughly, I'm, not, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I don't know what the current numbers for GCC are per semester. Well, we'll put it this way. I mean, it's all it's out there already at this point. I, I practically went to GCC for free. Okay. You Everyone make money did. going to GCC. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Because of the financially. Of course. Yeah. Um, well, and mind you, it wasn't all, everything. It was just obviously it was it was a, it was the uh, the beginning courses. Like right. when I went into my major already, there was courses there was I couldn't take at GCC. So it did take me six years to graduate because of because I was working at the same time. I was doing real estate right. and I was doing I was going to school at the same time. And my plan was obviously to go to law school, but that that didn't work out either because it's never too late. I mean, no, 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 no. It, it doesn't make sense for me you to go to law school. No, no, no. It doesn't make sense. No, but uh, we can still take you. I mean, no, no, no. I would. I would never. <laughs> I, I would never get you a client. I would. I would never leave what I'm doing behind to go to law school because you love it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So 
it, it took me six years, but um, the first, I'd say three years, it was GCC and Northridge simultaneously. Commute to GCC was much better, obviously, because I'm local to Glendale. But financially, it just wouldn't, it didn't make sense for me to go to Northridge full time. Okay. Um, let's, again, let's break it down. So I don't know what the units are for back then. This is, two, this is 2004. How much was two, I'm sorry, 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9. Right, right. So this is $28, 32 a unit. A unit. Right, so if you do 12 units, uh, it's $360. Yeah, 400 roughly. roughly. Right? It's $1,000. Mm-hmm. And then you have the winter quarter and the summer session. So $1,500, give or take. I mean, rough numbers. Thousand. I'm doing the calculations. Um, and, you know, commute is you still, you, well, you still commute. I mean, just because you live at home, your family absorbs the cost. It doesn't mean you're still not eating. You're not driving a car. You're not paying for gas. You don't have clothes. You don't, you don't wear clothes. No, no, no. Of course um, not. So the, the money, the, that cost is shifted. You know, you don't feel it because you're, you know, you're not separated from your family. Uh, but even, let's say if you, it costs $1,500 or $2,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's what, $6,000 compared to um, $20,000? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, I, I would, this is the first, three this is the first three years. Or if I were to go to Northridge full time, it would be basically the first two years. Right. So you're saving time, yes. Time-wise and unit-wise. Yes. Right? But working simultaneously and making money. I think, and what, making, he and making money. I think what he did is better. I think. I don't know. Maybe is... I, that's, what, that's why I was asking you. I was like, the, the move, the, what I did basically, would it have been smarter to just basically d- jump into Northridge, finish in four years and then start working? Because what would it have changed for you? I think my career. Wow. I would have not, would I would have be not a real, real estate agent. agent. The reason he didn't graduate is because he didn't really need that. No, I did that. graduate. I know, I'm not like six years. It's yeah, six yeah, yeah. years. The reason he didn't graduate in four years is because when he was getting that degree, he didn't really care. Let for me it put it to you this way: yeah. I, I was about, I was gonna take my LSATs, and I, stu- I stepped back and I spoke to my broker about. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go take my LSATs. I'm gonna apply for law school. I'm gonna go basically throw myself into debt another what, 120, 150 thousand dollars. But that year, I made that money. I basically, I, I, I graduated debt-free because of what I was doing. So it was like, okay, do I want to go to law school or do I want to continue doing what I'm doing? If I jumped into Northridge right away and did four years, I, w- I probably would have ended up in law school, 100%. Why? Because I didn't experience working. That's right. bad, bro. So then what did Northridge actually do for your career? You know what? Northridge helped me, helped me as far as building my business. In what way? Courses. Because you I took, took well, I took business courses, business law, uh, financial courses, business finance. I was able to structure my business correctly. Um, going back and remembering a lot of the courses that I took, I was like, okay, but this makes sense. This makes sense. Uh, payrolls, corporations. There's people in my industry till today. They don't have a corporation. Why? Because they didn't have. They didn't basically learn what a corporation mm-hmm. is for. I look at my paychecks. I'm like, I'm on a 1099. I'm going to basically be coughing up 30% of my paycheck to the government. Why don't I make a corporation? Mind you, I'm like 20-something years old. So did CSUN teach you more or your broker? My, I think C, well, it was both. Because to I, me, CSUN taught me a lot, but my, 
CSUN taught me, I'd say maybe the, the theory. Yeah, it's I'd say it's the theory. It's like the the foundation, and then my broker basically helped me build whatever I I had to build on top of that. The reality. If, of if you ask me anything in sales, I mean, I again, this may be my biased opinion. Sales is the number one skill you can have in this world. Anywhere in the world, you know, sales, you can make a living. You'll never starve. I think it's more. It's not. I wouldn't even. Well, but here's the here's the thing. You have to look at. I I mean, I look at my own experiences. What school could I have possibly gone to to teach me what I know? Nothing. Nobody. No school could school teach School of me. life taught you everything. Right. So, and it kind of leads to a question I was going to ask you, which is, I see so many kids that go get their MBA at 22 or get their undergraduate at 22 and then at 22 get into an MBA program. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the wrong direction to go because, to me, there's absolutely no way at 22 you're going to learn anything from that MBA uh, program because you have zero experience. You don't know how to apply that information. Now, if you graduate, you get your bachelor's, business, marketing, whatever it is, you go to work for about three, four, five years and then go into an MBA program. What you're going to actually get from that program, what you're going to learn and apply in real life is going to be 2,000 times more than jumping into an MBA program at 22. Because yes. I don't absolutely right. I think I, mean, I, I agree. Yes, you know, yes. so yeah. and those are things I think that's maybe even important to touch on. That it's not about let me finish fast. No, don't finish fast. I'd rather I would teach my son. I would say, listen, I'd rather you graduate two years late, but work at the same time because you need to also have work ethic. You need to go get some internship. I don't. I don't need you to work for the money. I need you to work for the idea of knowing what it truly costs to make money and not just go to school thinking, well, I'm going to Harvard. I don't need money. My dad's paying for it. No, you still need to work. You still need to pay Mm -hmm. for some of your stuff because that's, what's going to make you a better student, a better man, woman, and you're going to have a better outcome versus putting them in this bubble, sending them to the best school, paying for everything. Don't worry about anything. Mom and dad got you covered. The kid gets out of school. He's a numbnut. He doesn't know how to apply for a job. doesn't know how to apply the information. doesn't, doesn't know, know how to anything. give you a handshake. They're 25 yeah. years old. You say hi. They don't know how to give you a proper manly handshake. Exactly. They go like this. Like, Who's your hand, bro? They've been playing with themselves too much. It's tired. <laughs> so it's, I mean, to me, the real knocks of life is what you need. It needs to be a combination of both. It can't just be, I see too many, too many people come through here even. I mean, they don't have the simple life experience to know how to sit logic, across logic from is, you and have a conversation with I you. I think it's the generation, though, as well, Daniel. Don't you think so? I think the generation now has, is a little bit softer than it was during your time, during my time. I agree, yeah. Um, they're gr- growing up behind computers. Well, that's the thing. Is we, you know, we're talking about real exposure to people you know, because of the technology. Again, that's decreased that Playing outside contact. Is- because that's where you, you know, you uh, fall down and, you know, scrape your, scrape your foot. You see, you know, you get roughed up by a friend and you know how to, uh, in Armenian, we say baza, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. Or you, you get deal, jobs. You negotiate, you, 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 you know, that's how we became, you know, who we are, you know. Uh, but now it's, it, it, it's the bubble thing where, you know, parents are, very, you know, pretty sensitive about their kids and who they're around and kind of give them this 
more of a <laughs> kind of an experience that's you know more of a bubble experience. Yeah. But I think Armand raises a good point in terms of the experience is also a, a factor. Now the MBA is a you picked on a major that's more practical, I think, right. where you need more um, hands-on experience in the world, in the world of business, where you may not be able to apply that to um, English or, let's say, you know, if you want to go to law school. It might be a little bit different. Um, but even in the university, it doesn't mean that you can't have experiences while you're going to the university. You can still have a job. You can still meet people. Internship. You can still do internships. You can still work at a lab, right, um, at a university. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, you know, you want to do medicine, then you can do research. You can have, you know, you can at a UCLA where you have the latest uh, uh, practicums and technology, and they have uh, equipment, the best equipment in the world, yeah. you know, in terms of their science facilities which you may not be able to get in the real world. Now, in, in your case, you know, real estate is a niche area um, where, you know, there's a lot of learning that goes on in the real world. Uh, but you can do that as you're going to university because there are components, as you mentioned, that are also important in terms of the theory side, in terms of the structure side, in yeah. terms of the knowledge base. Um, so these are valid points. I mean, I don't disagree with the experience. I think that's yeah. very important. Even in my field, I mean, nurses who, for example, graduate from nursing school, RN, great. I want to go into nurse practitioner program, MP program. I'm like, don't go. Gain some experience. Find out which sector of healthcare you want to work in. And then go into that specific area of nurse practitioner. Because it's going to make you a better practitioner. And the experience you've gained the two years and the hundred thousand you're going to spend on that additional level of education is going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Whereas 23 year old go to MP program, you're coming out dumber than you were when you went into it because it's way too much information. You're not going to be able to absorb it, apply it. A lot of fields. I just think maybe some sciences or some other, like you said, English, you know, English history, those types of things may be different because I, I mean, what do you do with an English degree or history? Maybe teach or go to law school, like you said, right? Or work at, as a librarian. I mean, librarians make great money, mm-hmm. but there's only a few of them. Are, are libraries going to be around in the next 15, 20 years? Well, if you look at it that way, um, there was a recent article about how Google, Apple, Facebook, all these Uber, these guys are no longer looking for uh, employees with education anymore they're going after kids who don't have an undergraduate or a master or graduate degree you know why why cheaper employees it's not about it's not necessarily no i I think they're looking for something different it's more so because again some some fields you have to i think you have to have a degree some fields it's better if you don't because when you go to school it gives you one dimensional viewpoint let me give you the best example uh, your cousin's son. Should I have so many cousins? Well, son. Violet's son. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he have a niche for like technology stuff? Yeah, and, yeah he likes see, to do his own videos. So and... that's who Facebook would want. Yeah. yeah. Or Google sure. would what want. What degree are you going to get to become a great marketer on Facebook? Social, Seriously. what degree? Nothing. You, you can get a marketing degree. I t- I've taken marketing courses at, at CSUN. What do they teach you? It's, he's like, well, we worked on Coca-Cola and we made a carpet for 7-Eleven and it was red. And so the, it was an advertisement, and it, not really a flash. Well, it was a marketing. Yeah, it was basically that. He's like, and he's like, 
they came in, they looked at it, they said, it's, well, it's red, but it's not Coca-Cola red. And I'm sitting in this course and I'm like, am I really going to sit down and, lo- and listen to this for a semester? <laughs> I ended up basically making friends with a couple of students there. I said, listen, give me your notes at the end of class. I'll just look over it. And then when the time comes for taking the exams, we had two midterms and a final. That was it. And that's why what we And talk- there's 250 people in the class. It's an auditorium. Yeah. Remember Friday, we touched on it with Armin, and you mentioned it earlier today, about having somebody to, a guidance counselor, or I refer to it more as a, at a different age, you need a mentor. I think at a, in any given age, you need a mentor in life. Somebody to go to if you have questions about certain things. Um, and it's just important to have any outside your parents in your circle of you know your family, your aunts and uncles who know everything but have never accomplished anything in life, getting advice from those same 20 people is not going to do you any good. Mm-hmm. you got to go to the Daniels and the you got to go to somebody that, who's not related to yeah. you. I hired, a, I, I hired a mentor for f- four years for real estate. He guy lived out in Florida, and it was, it was a coaching program. Every week, I had somebody basically on my ass, somebody to hold me accountable. I mean, not everybody... I couldn't go to my dad or my brother or anybody as far as for guidance because it was like, oh, what do you want me to do here? How do I negotiate this? How do I? It's like they would have no idea. So what your job is 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 basically helping kids from ninth to twelfth or even younger than that guide them in that direction, and every single penny of it is worth it. Why? Because it's it's an investment for their future. Right. Exactly. If people can, if people can do it at 30 at 40 and invest into a life coach, then they should be able to do it for their kids at 15, at 15 years old. Tony Robbins, best example. Now, Daniel, I mean, I don't know if you do want to get into this, but what is your services cost to the parent? We don't really know what they're looking at. Do you want to discuss that? If you want to, (laughs) if you want to discuss that, if not, we can basically leave it. Yeah. Let's, uh, I would rather not to. Okay. Okay. Because I do also have a kind of a sliding, Scale. So okay. Time. Here's, I was going to ask yeah. the next question yeah. into that. Yeah. Here's a question. Um, the technology now with all the robotics and stuff coming up and they're going to be taking the jobs away, which means degrees are not going to be as useful. How do you handle those? Can you give an example? Of um, what well, about? Uh, I was uh, listening to Andrew Yang, who was, a, uh, I think, a Democrat from uh, California. Who's thinking to Democrat? Yes, because he actually What's had with you? he actually had good advice. You have to listen to everybody, uh, and he was talking about how robots could actually look at an MRI and look at the pixelation between white to gray to black uh-huh. and read the MRI better than a human. Okay, where the MRI te- not the technicians, the actual people who write the reports will be out of a job once the robots can do what they're doing. Which is, when is it predicted to happen, though? Well, if the way that technology is going, what, 15, 20 years? When are we going to have flying cars? We're not going to have flying cars. We're you saw it today. I showed you that. That's it, not a flying it, car. It's not 15, 20 no, it's years. Not. It's okay. earlier than that. Wait, I'll tell from you the why. video I showed you today? We're not, so, we're not talking so about that. I'm talking about doctors, AI. Oh, doctors, AI. you know, oh, taking God. that. Uh, doctors taking up, uh, I mean, uh, AI taking up drivers. Where you don't, you won't need drivers anymore. Or... Um, Truck no cabbies. There's any, no truck drivers. Anything. Well, AI is going to be a, taking over a lot of the spots. With a car, a self-driving car, right? Yep. It was a 
there was a test. I think there was an accident recently that happened with a Tesla. Tesla, right? Yeah. So yeah. that kind of put some fear into the idea that you know machines can do the same job and have the same judgment as a as a human being. Absolutely. Basically. So I'm not as optimistic as you are about the efficacy or efficiency of robots in terms of taking human jobs. I mean, we look at nurses or doctors, you don't want to have a robot do surgery on you because they do them now. But but, uh, but right now you have a robot. Robotics are using robot, surgeries now. You have a robot that's doing surgery while the doctor is actually somewhere Inside in New York. Inside the next room. Right. Or New York, well, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Or you have a guy who's operating a crane from, let's say, Hungary, and it was on YouTube the other day. Uh, the crane is in South Korea, and he's actually operating yeah. it from Europe. Okay. That's different than AI. So you have – what's, what's different? Who's operating AI? it? The guy the who's actually human. Okay. AI, AI you don't operate AI. Bro. AI, you don't operate it. Okay. AI is artificial intelligence. Yeah, but it's not just AI. It's technology taking okay. over. Okay, you don't Hold have on. to send You're saying the, two, you're saying different, two different, things. different things. AI is something where you as a human do not touch it. You do not interact with it. You leave it alone, and it operates itself. Yes. Like the Tesla's self-driving. That is AI. Mm-hmm. But if a guy is in Hungary mm-hmm. that's and operating something in California, mm-hmm. that's the same as a news anchor in New York telling the news in California. Yes, but eventually when you have technology that you could, someone could do from here to South Korea, eventually that AI could learn automated, you know, artificial, artificial intelligence. intelligence could learn how to dig and they could actually dig. I don't think we're there yet. Certain things you we're have to be you no, certain things you have to be cautious of because years ago I read the book called The World is Flat and it talks about how this was maybe 15 years ago I read that book. Very very popular book. New York uh, time That's bestseller, true. and it talks about how, for example, at the time McDonald's was thinking about when you go to a drive-through, it's not going to be somebody here answering the call. It's somebody in India who's being paid fifteen cents an hour versus, let's say, minimum wage mm-hmm. here, answering the call for you and taking your order. Completely sc- screwed things up. Every order was messed up. Um, UPS, for instance, has contracts with, at the time, again, this may not be current information, this is what was in the book at the time, had contracts with Panasonic, Sony, all these different manufacturers, electronic manufacturers. Now, when you would send your VHS player, your TV or your computer, thinking it's being fixed at Panasonic, wherever their headquarters are, it wasn't. UPS actually has a department within UPS who had Panasonic certified technicians that would fix it and then they would ship it back to you. So the, the, the purpose of that book, the world is flat is kind of what he's touching on how everything you're going to be able to do things across the globe. Uh, But at the same time, there's certain things that will always require a human touch, a human know-how and that ability to make a decision based on, that touch and feel of something, whatever it happens yes. to be. AI is taking over medicine to a certain degree. I myself am invested in a company which that's what they develop. Uh, they're developing a system where, for example, is to diagnose a patient with Alzheimer's disease, which is a very, very difficult um, diagnosis. Usually it's caught on way end term where it's, there's not much you can do. Right. Even in the beginning, there's much, not much you can do. You yeah, can, once it's there, it's yeah. kind of... Hmm. And and we've talked about this at one of our earlier shows where Alzheimer kills more 
people than cancer does, but nobody talks about it because it's not it's not a scary, horrific type of mm. disease. Actually, is scary. So yeah, it, but it, yeah, it doesn't but look scary. It doesn't but look scary. Every time technology takes over a little piece of you know uh, work, it it has people okay. out of jobs. But at the same time, there's certain jobs where it's still gonna need. I get it. That human touch, you whether have, it's nurses, have, it's doctors. Have, let's say it, you have hundred degrees right now, right? Eventually, AI is going to take away 30 or 40 of them. How do you well, handle when, when that? You, when you say the technology is going to take over, mm -hmm. I'm just thinking that someone has to work on that technology. Which is engineering. It to, for it to... Or science. or Start taking over, right? Stuff. I mean, there is quality control, innovation, creation, execution, management... So it's not that humans are going to have be less in demand. It's just the sector, job sector is going to shift, yeah. which, which yeah. Has, has happened. I mean, yeah. you know, um, engineer, with engineering, as, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, it can happen possibly in the real estate industry. You can have uh, some, yeah. some uh, you know, what do you, I want to no, remember the, the drones that fly by. So you don't need an agent to, to, show, agent. to show I'm just, you know, thinking out loud. They've but, tried it. It's failed. Right. That's the thing. So uh, again, going back to the they surgeon, smart, you know, if, if you, smart yeah, it blocks. failed, it failed. It if, failed. If, that, if you so. need a brain surgery, I mean, would, would we trust um, a robot to, to, doing to do a, a brain surgery when, that. when, you know, your life is at, is at risk. So if we fail at McDonald's where they can't take an order accurately, how could we, you know, because, different countries. Here's the difference because, when you go to medical school, you go through, let's say, a thousand textbooks, for example, whatever that number is. You remember maybe 10% of it. Now, AI, you can program 20 million textbooks, right. and it will remember every single word in each textbook. And that's why, for example, diagnosing a patient, whereas it's all based on eye contact, skin complexion, it's not about, oh, well, the lab results show your thyroids are high. No, this is all about... Eye, eye contact where I can look at you and say, well, your prognosis is so-and-so based on exactly what I saw six months ago. And I remembered it to the T, the complexion of your skin, mm -hmm. your pupils, your everything. That's what AI is going to do. Now, in terms of real estate, here's what they're doing. And you may have heard of this, but AI, for example, the five of us are sitting here talking about real estate, right? Just like right now, we talk about pet food. Next thing you know, your Google ads are all about pet food. Yeah. What's going to happen is, and I know the company that's already developed this, you're going to talk about it and say, I'm looking for a four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bathroom property above Kenneth. Okay. It's going to narrow down every single property that meets mm -hmm. that criteria. I'd like to have um, you know, a certain tile of backsplash, certain this, certain that. It's going to customize. It's going to find a home for you, and then it's going to design it in a way, the color of the furniture you talked about the color of the tiles it's going to pretty much put the whole thing right. into a uh what do you call that presentation no, oh, not a presentation a uh database type of deal. No, 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 a, no. forgot the word the term but anyway so it's gonna give you that <laughs> the look that you want uh so the you're specs. gonna no, it's not the specs it's an actual no. image of the exact house okay. where you can pretty much Look into a model of it, 3D model of it. The 3D model, but there's a term for it that I can't remember. The right layout. Now. And so you're going to be able to look at it with your wife and kids and be like, oh, that's where, you know, 
Noah's room is, and oh, that's the playroom, and everything is designed according to the conversation you had. So now you know this is the house I want. Because why do you guys spend so much money on staging? It's to make that individual okay. feel like right now. Wait, would you trust Don't give away when, when when you're when you're doing negotiation, when you're doing legal paperwork, uh-huh. when you're doing disclosures? You'll still be involved. Absolutely, yeah. you have to be involved. But That's you, something where you need an agent involved. Right. Whereas if some let me give you one of the best examples. There's disclosures going on where there's a death in the there's a death on the property, mm-hmm. for example, right? All those disclosures and stuff where you sit down with somebody, you go, oh, listen, you know, we're going over this. There was a death in the there was a death on the property. Mm-hmm. Oh, how was the, how did the death occur? Well, it was a natural cause. The guy, you know, he was an older person, he laid right. down in bed and he basically passed away. Oh, okay, you know what? That's fine. Let's go over that. You go over everything step by step, all the paperwork, everything in person. Now we are doing it via uh, electronic signature. Right. But at the same time, nine out of the 10 clients, they call me and they say, can we just go over this really quickly? Because I just want to understand. This is buyers. Right. Because I want to understand what, what it is that I'm signing. Because it's one of the biggest investments of your life. And sellers are the same. You, sell, you send the seller paperwork. They look at it. They go, okay, what am I filling out? And besides that, you want to make sure your seller understands what they're actually signing and to protect your ass. Right. Because if they don't disclose something pro- properly, what's going to happen is they're going to come back and they're going to sue you. So there, again, with every single job, there has to be some sort of monitoring, monitoring right. or touch. Yeah. So everything going AI, it's never going to happen. And I was going to say, um, you can have the specs and exactly the way you want it, but what about the feel? You know, the emotional part of it, or the or the value. Lighting, uh, because you can have thoughts. It's just like a university. Well, you can uh, know that Stanford is good in terms of the standards or the, or the numbers. Right. But, you know, you ask a student to visit the campus mm-hmm. and talk to the people, you know, sit in the classroom to feel have it. some discussions, visit the science department. That's the part of it, I think, that you're always going to need that, Absolutely. that human touch. Of you know, course. you would want to talk to someone. So it's not, you know, I'm not concerned uh, for, you know, for technology taking over per se. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that it can do to make it more efficient. And if you guys remember Gary Gosparov, who played um, the the chess, the robot. Yes. You know, that was a a situation where millions of moves were programmed, Mm pre-programmed. But it still couldn't beat a human being because there's something on the spot, whether it's intuition or emotion, that the computer can't computate. Or, you you know, there is an instinct there. There's a human instinct. Absolutely. Um, You know, in Japan, they have these... uh, fake wives that are robots yes you know i'm sure you guys have seen this um, okay so you're gonna be you're... number one sellers in america <laughs> i hope it doesn't go there but i seriously hope it's gonna go there. point being are you ever gonna substitute a robot wife for a, a human wife are you vice versa opposite. Or depends opposite. on your wife uh, vice versa it all depends on your wife yeah. <laughs> um so again I mean, who knows what's going to happen Techno- 50 years the, from now. But. Here's the thing. When you, if, you, if you look at it the way I think you, the way you're saying it is, oh, AI is going to do this, AI is going to do that. Eventually, AI has to build AI. And then what's going to happen with humans? Well, right now, AI is building AI. How they, much of it? Him. How about half How much human, half AI? Well, Let me ask you this. Are cars being built only AI? No. Why? Because people are not ready for it. But as right now... Amazon is actually teaching us not to do the field part of buying. 
Yeah, we don't course. go to the store to buy. We just order everything and it yeah. comes. Okay, well, and then, okay, okay, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Like wait. Let me, add, okay, let me ask like you this. That? Wait, you get something from Amazon, you don't like it. What do you do? You return it. So does that not, you, you just basically contradicted yourself. Yeah, no, but before buying it. Wait, wait, wait. I can, You're saying I can the experience of walking into the store. I'm not talking about conversation, experience. Returning no. back to get in the line at the return counter. Running into another person. It all matters No, I'm not talking about conversation. It's the same thing. It's just convenient. It's okay, that's it's all not. it is. And people are getting to the point where everything is going to be convenient. It's not the same. Buying thing. a car is already off of your phone. Would You're you buy, would you buy a car? Would you buy a car online? Online? No. Why not? Because I you want to pay. I want to. You want to. I, I, want, I actually okay, want. But you're saying God. that that's what it's becoming, right? Actually, yeah. The, there actually are people buying. There's people buying have cars seen, online. Have a you lot. seen? Uh, true car and there's another one where you actually cars.com no 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 there has to here's the thing there's, it's there's a, a 3d you pretty much i understand feel like you're sitting in the car you turn your head and you i mean the car comes in and it, and it isn't what you thought it was what mm -hmm. then you return it no there's what? no cooling off period you get used to it but that's the that will it that, will that will I don't think that'll ever take place where you buy a vehicle or a house or something right. where a brand new one are you kidding I a brand brand new is no hold on or brand, used one even used one I mean I just picked up a car from San Diego look, I'd never seen look it. here's the thing it all depends on the the situation what you need the car for as well if you need a car basically just kind of throw around you can buy a Toyota Camry online that's fine but if you're investing a hundred thousand dollars into a Porsche. Would you buy a Porsche $100,000 online or would you want to actually go there, sit in the car, feel it out, maybe test drive it? Come if on, it's man. $100,000, You yes, got to think of, of course, Arno, that's what I'm saying. Arno, you're talking about test driving. I'm talking about cars that are going to drive you. You're not going to drive. Okay, so in your industry, you've heard of Rex. Have you heard of Rex? Rex is, it sounds familiar. Rex, where they only charge, what was it, 2%? Oh, yeah, there's, there's plenty what, of those. They're what, all going bankrupt, What's bro. the difference, though? What's the difference? Between, well, how is Rex able to charge 2% versus 6%? Well, number one, they don't charge 2%. This is how those companies work. Where When they advertise, they say, oh, we're charging 1%, oh, we're charging half a percent. That's They're not charging you half a percent. They have to pay the buyer's broker 2.5%. That's something they don't disclose to you right off the bat. So right off the bat, you're, it's misinformation. So you go to a list, they go to your listing presentation. They go, you're charging me half a percent, right? Yes, we are. But you have to pay the, the broker in front of you two and a half percent. Right off the bat, how could you even trust those people? Those companies are like Ubers for real estate. You don't know who's coming in. Okay. But at the same and time, this is, you can't say that with Uber coming in and replacing taxis. I think Ubers but, are better no, than taxis. I, that's a completely what different. These guys are better than no, 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 no. Wait. agent. When I from what I remember, help you sell that, help you sell did that very successfully for many years. Purple Bricks is going bankrupt. They had a flat fee. Purple Bricks is going bankrupt okay, in the next Purple year, Bricks. and yeah, they're charging one percent flat fee. Mm -hmm. Whereas, let me ask you this: Would you hire Purple Bricks, where they basically send you a random agent, he comes in for one percent, or would you hire a local expert who's lived in the area, knows the market, and knows the strategy? I understand that. That's what, per person decision. It's per person. Some people you, don't care. I, I mean, if you ask me personally, nine out of 10 times, I can negotiate better than 90% of the realtors in, in my town. So, but that's why I don't look at things personally. I look at it as, for example, help you sell had a flat fee, 5,000, 10,000 was the total cost. Does it matter? A million dollar house or a $250,000 condo. They did relatively well for some time. Now they're not doing so well. But you can't say it's because of the 
uh, commission structure. It has to do with somebody failed at the top. And it's not, I mean, there's a lot of other brokers. Well, we're getting, we're getting yeah. off topic completely. So here's, here's the thing. <laughs> Carol, my wife, Carol said that she leased the car uh, with a phone, over the phone, not I've even done that internet. about eight times. That's, you, the car yeah. is not hers. She's going to be returning. Yeah. Okay, so, but it's something that she's going to be driving in the next three years. There's Hannah, would aspects. you, listen, there's, that you. That's 10 years ago she did it. That's, it's completely different. You're, you're not understanding what I'm saying. Would you purchase something where you have to keep it let's say for example would you buy a fifty thousand not, not even thirty thousand dollar car online if it's not gonna if i'm not gonna drive it and it's gonna drive itself it doesn't matter what do you mean you, it's still gotta get service it's AI. you don't it's gonna service itself it's gonna go to the we're dealership talking by about itself. today brother we Bro, don't we're have talking about today it's, today is Hang different on. that's i'm talking about technology in the five ten years from now daniel please <laughs> chime in sorry by the way the, this is technology uh, the word i was looking for was there was no Sevox says something very rendering. smart. He says we still need rendering. critical thinkers. Rendering. Jeez, yes. Say it. Sevox says has a great point. The You're word jumping I way was into the future. Was rendering. Way, way too into the future. Was it? Way too into the future. Can this rendering? guy say the damn word for the third time? Rendering. Rendering. Yes. Let me. So uh, besides the besides the convenience of using Uber over cabs, what's another reason you would rather use Uber over a cab? Safety. I want to get rid. One more. <laughs> Besides the safety, that protective glass the cabs used to have, yeah. where you were literally you were in a cop car, all the cabs they felt like cap. Well, the majority of the cabs are Priuses now. Now it's that's better than being in a Caprice that has a glass in front of you when you're sitting there. Bro, if you look at it, I mean, look, you use Postmates, right? Yeah. The schmuck delivering the food for you. I have no idea what he's doing he with that, that food. food all day long. Worse than that, he oh, could yeah, put something when... in that food that could. I mean, they're going to be say, delivering food automatatedly. Somewhere. Yeah, they are. They'll dro- they'll have a drone drop it off right where your door is, all What's ready it? to go. Arno is bomb. I'm very. I send you that video. Please tell me that that right. can't be converted into a nice car, flying car. Right, right. That's Elon, not a car. That's a drone. Uh, Elon Musk said oh we can connect human brains to computers. That's what I just said, and no one wanted to talk about that. But human brains to computers. <laughs> Whose phone is it's, it's, it's Dan, Dan, Daniel's, Daniel's phone is the, the Facebook. Uh, you're in the Matrix, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's been talked about. It's been mentioned, bro. We're getting to two hours. Let's it's call it a night. Curfew in bed, Literally. Right. Daniel, Daniel's been sitting here can't, listening to us argue. We'll argue. What's your birthday there? Yeah. Is it? Are you? All right. Happy birthday, buddy. I didn't see that shit on Facebook. Yeah. Fair, you know. Your automated, your your AI is screwing up already. I didn't even he know didn't it was put his birthday in Facebook. I don't like to put my birthday on Facebook. See, that's human error. And I want you, to you still have Daniel to go wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> I do. I got to go I'm wish honored. him a happy birthday now. Well, everybody, it's Edgar's birthday today on Facebook. So everybody say happy birthday. Daniel, thank you so much for being with us. Sorry for the last 10 minutes of us just ranting and basically. I'm sure he enjoyed it too. That was an interesting conversation. We couldn't keep it all educational for two hours absolutely that's two hours too long for wiseness yeah no but look today the the reason why we wanted daniel on the show was because we wanted our listeners our followers to be educated on the process of helping their kids and guiding them absolutely uh with whether it's through your private organization or through their own counselors at school i think hopefully whoever watched did get valuable information from this where now they could actually apply it Come tomorrow, come right. Monday, to you know, little Johnny, go talk to your counselor. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to thank you guys for seeing the importance of 
of uh, college counseling, educational yeah. counseling, and having me on your show. And I think it's important, as you said, whether it's being more conscious, whether the parents being more active, uh, whether they need to supplement what the school is providing by seeing me or another independent counselor, I think uh, they should be active in the process. Absolutely. And uh, they should uh, intervene. Parents know. be involved. Be in your kid's life. It's as simple right. as that. So, yeah, absolutely. So if I can help, uh, I would be yeah. more than welcome. Uh, Guys, welcome. if you need if you need Daniel's information, he's tagged in our uh, on the actual post itself. His website's on the post. His business page is on the post. One more time. What was it again? EduPros USA. EduPros USA. The guy's great at what he does. He'll help guide your kids in the right direction. If you're if you're a parent and you're lost as far as, or if you're not even lost, if you don't have the time to actually, nobody's going to admit they're lost. You're exactly. Lost. That's why. That's why I, you're not lost. You know. You know exactly what you're doing. Still but, call him. But you need you need that you need that basically that little boost as far as helping guide your child in the right direction as far as getting themselves into a good four-year university, getting themselves into a good job, and having the correct background as far as uh, what they want to do. Daniel's the guy to call. Yes. So right. if you guys have any questions, his website, his Facebook page, his personal page is even on there. His home address. Is his home there. address, his social <laughs> security, his bank cards, and uh, message us. We'll actually send you the PIN numbers in the back, the last three. So. Daniel, thank you so much thank for being on the show today. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> it. it. And uh, we'll see you guys next Monday on the Wise Nuts. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.